long hiatus. Um, we've been busy as ever, uh, and so it's been a little hard to sit down and have a conversation. Um, so glad to be back with you, Zach, and and uh, getting another episode out there. So how are you doing, man? I'm good. Glad to be back, too. Yeah, it's been a while. I feel like I might have lost my uh, podcasting touch that I was just starting to refine a little bit. So, um, yeah, but we'll get it back. <laughs> uh, we still got, um, well, so deer season just started. So we did deer camp. So that all that prep kind of got in the way of that. Um, and man, got a lot coming up. Um, I just probably since the last recording, I think, I think it's been this long. Um, I've got a nephew now, so that's really cool. Um, got a lot going on there. That's super exciting. Um, school started back for a lot of folks. Um, I've got a wedding that I'm a best man in coming up next weekend. Um, so yeah, just lots going on. I feel like uh, talking to a lot of people, it's just been a really busy season lately. Um, so definitely been having to work hard to be intentional with uh, the guys in our group and and other people in our lives. So that's obviously kind of taking precedence over um, the podcast. But uh, real quick, guys, we're going to go through um, some of these housekeeping items as usual. Um, like you guys may know, um, follow us on Instagram at Young Codgers Podcast. Um, Again, we'd love to hear y'all's questions, so please send us some questions in to askcodgers at youngcodgers.com, and we'd love to uh, answer some of those on the episode. So, um, yeah, that's out of the way. Um, Zach, why don't you uh, tee us off on uh, what we're going to be talking about today? All right. Well, we're going to be talking about careers today, and... uh some different aspects on how you can show up in your family and um, just some ideas on a few notes that I wrote down. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'll let you take it away. I know this is kind of um, something that you've uh, been thinking on and and things for the last couple weeks. So I'll let you kind of, like I said, tee this one off and kind of guide this first part and I'll give my input wherever I see that might be of value so all right so the first topic is are you showing up more for your job than your wife and family Mm. Um, i feel like a lot of guys will say well i'm showing up because i'm going to work Um, right but you know your responsibility is to your wife and family before it is to your job or your boss Mm -hmm. whether it feels like it or not Um, and then going off on that is how can you show up if you're working 40 to 80 hours a week because there's only 120 hours in a five day week. So if you work 40 hours, that's a third of your week. Mm -hmm. If you work 80, that's two thirds of your week. And some people work more and I don't know how they do that. Right. Well, it's like, you know, it's one of those things where, um, and Zach, you can, Correct me if I'm wrong. I I can't remember if I mentioned this or not on the last episode, um, but I ended up taking a different job. So that's another 
another different uh, thing, busy thing that's been going on lately. Um, this just made things feel super hectic. Um, but anyways, like yesterday uh, and Wednesday, I worked like a, ten, a nine, 10 hour day Wednesday. And then I worked an 11 hour day yesterday. Um, I didn't get home till like 10 o'clock last night. Um, and I left mm-hmm. the house around eight forty-five, nine o'clock. And it just feels weird because you come home and it's like, you know, you make something quick to eat real quick and then you just kind of hop in bed and you're just there with your spouse. You know, it's not, there's nothing intentional about it because you're drained from the day. And, you know, in my case, I was doing paint correction on a rather large truck. Um, and so you're tired, you've been standing all day, your arms feel like you just raced a super cross race cause you've been holding the buffer all day. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so it's hard, like, you know, I have to balance that with, you know, if I, I couldn't do that every day and, and still not because mm-hmm. of not wanting to the F, you know, the wanting to, and the why and understanding the importance of showing up for my life is there. Um, that's not a mystery to me, but I just physically couldn't like, it would be very unfeasible for me to work like that on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and still have enough to give like emotionally and physically and just like being present. So yeah, that's my last week I took on more. Yeah, no, that's good. Last week I took on more side job stuff and ended up working yeah at least eight hours a day every day and Mm -hmm. i think thursday i ended up working 12 or 14 and then some family stuff happened and friday i was supposed to do it again but i had to take off and take care of the family situation but i mean it's just tough because stuff stuff at home gets neglected your marriage gets neglected you're just like well I come home and see them, but there's no like intimacy going on. Right. Um, whether that's just like sitting on the couch watching TV at the end of the day or eating dinner together or anything like that. Cause we're just on the go all the time. Right. I think so, the other thing too, that's like, that's how the last couple weeks have gone. Well, and yeah, I, and I totally agree with that. And I think something that like we're really bad at, or I know I am anyways, is like, I'm already like not in like the best possible scenario for showing up for my wife after a long day of work because I'm just simply tired. And uh, like the tendency a lot of us have, and I know me especially, is like I'll want to come home and watch a YouTube video um, or sit on my phone and check Instagram or check like, you know, make sure, Oh, I need to post on our podcast page on Instagram, or I need to edit that episode, you know? And like, we literally have an episode, um, that we recorded before this one that as of this recording, I still haven't gotten edited and put out yet because like, it's not an easy, you know, it takes time. And so, Mm -hmm. Like I haven't had, well, I've had time to do it, but I had to like think about other things like, you know, is 
the time that I'm spending next to my wife in my own little world on, you know, editing this podcast or scrolling on Instagram or whatever, I'm like in her presence, but I'm not present, you know? Um, yeah. And so like, we just have to be careful and kind of like guard our, I don't know. I'm going to kind of throw this term out there and maybe see how it lands. It might not, but like kind of guard the hustle a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. like, you know, Evan and I were talking last night, um, as I was finishing up his truck, like, you know, there's all these people that, and you know, like, I'm not trying to shit on people, like, don't take it that way y'all. But like, there's all these people that are like, Oh yeah, man, dude, I'm hustling, like pulling all nighter, you know, grinding, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, Hey, that's great. Um, but you know the if if you're staying up all night working on stuff and you've you know okay say you stay up all night till you know three four o'clock in the morning and then you sleep in until noon well yeah no duh you have to stay up all night to get your stuff done like because <laughs> you're not getting up with the rest of us at you know 5 30 5 45 and out the door doing whatever you need to do by seven and you're done by five mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you'd get up at seven or if you'd be out the door by seven o'clock, you wouldn't have to be staying up all night doing your stuff. Now, if Mm -hmm. you're, you know, if you're a serial entrepreneur and you've got an eight to five day job and you've got a side hustle or something like that in the evening, like, you know, if you're doing marketing or, you know, gig work or, um, remote stuff. Yeah, sure. Like if, if you think that you need that hustle to be able to provide, or like that's a short term, um, sacrifice that you want to make to, you know, bankroll a little bit and insulate your finances. Cool. But you also have to look at that and go, yeah, it's good to insulate. And this is like nice income to have, or it's needed income maybe. Uh, but you also have to go, okay, what, you know, you kind of have to look at what's going to fall, you know, what ball is going to drop if I am doing this, you know, and, and just make sure yeah. you're intentional about that. So, yeah, something funny I heard the other day. Um, I don't remember who it was, but they were talking about people that claim to hustle all day long and don't mm-hmm. ever sleep. It's like, well, are you making money during that time or are right. you just hustling? Right. And that's the big, like the the biggest different differentiating factor of like side hustles because like you and i have i mean i don't want to call myself the master of the side hustle because i think that would be a little too um like i don't know it's not entirely accurate i enjoy a good side hustle but i don't mm-hmm. I, it's not like a constant for me um yeah. if i need money for something or like, oh, this would be cool, but I'm not like gonna budget that into our finances because other things need to come mm-hmm. first. I can always find something to do to make a couple hundred bucks, like always. Yeah. Uh, but that's not a constant for me. Uh, but getting back to what I was saying is like, that's a big, if not the biggest, I think the biggest differentiating factor about quote unquote side hustles or grinding is like exactly what you said. Are you hustling? and making money or are you just hustling because like yeah it's Mm -hmm. cool to flex on instagram oh man i've been working all day doing this doing that dude if you're not making money i'm not envious of you at all 
even if you are making money, I'm not envious of you, but like, I will, I don't want that. That's not cool. That's not a flex. I'm not like, I don't admire that you're working your butt off and you're not making any money. Like what's there to be envious of, you know? And I yeah. Know that that reminded me just now. Like, super harsh, but. Mm-hmm. That reminded me of that quote from wild at heart, uh, to be rather than to appear. Yeah. That's very like, true. Are you monetizing your time in your hustle or are right. you just trying to look like you're hustling? A hundred percent. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, I think that's big. Uh, I, we kind of mm-hmm. got off topic there a little bit, but I, I mean, I think bit. that's, I think that's super valid though. Like, mm-hmm. um, like, especially with the way the culture is right now and, and we've talked about it before and I'm sure we'll talk about it again, but, um, yeah, that's huge. So, um, what yeah. about like, I know this is kind of controversial and we've talked about it or touched on it a little bit, um, in previous episodes, but like, what do you think about, like, I think some people have this idea, um, that, you know, working a lot is, a, you know, one of the ways that you show up for your spouse, you know, like if you're mm-hmm. the sole breadwinner or, you know, your, your career slash job, whatever you want to call it, brings in more income than theirs does, you know, some people would say, you know, wouldn't that make sense that like, yeah, providing for them is showing up, you know, what's your, mm-hmm. what's your take on that? Cause I know you kind of like threw that out there as something that you wanted to talk about. So, yeah. So limitations apply obviously to this, sure. but, um, in the general sense of, a marriage working correctly, I guess. Right. Um, and this isn't always the case, but generally the man is going to make the most money just because that's how the world works right now. Uh, right. Not saying that the woman couldn't make equal or even more. Um, and then also not saying that the man could get laid off or lose his job and not make any for a year or whatever. And the wife right. provides for everything. Those are nuances that, I think we've talked about a little bit in the past, um, Mm -hmm. but we could talk about it more in the future. Uh, But as the man, you're supposed to show up and provide. uh, And so just having a good balance of both is important. So, you know, you may think like, oh, my purpose is just to provide, but then you're not showing up and you have to do both. Um, So, I mean, it does make sense that you going to your job and giving that like your, you know, eight to 10 hours a day for the week or, you know, you know what I mean? Every day you show up at your job, you do your job, you do it well and you make the money, you know, that is a form of showing up for your family or your spouse. Uh, and then, you know, if they're doing the same thing or they're at home, uh, whether like whatever the situation looks like they're doing something throughout their day to show up for you, even though you're not together in the same space. Right. Um, so whether that's like cleaning the house or going and working at their job and providing, uh, you know, it goes both ways. Like you both have to show up for each other, just get in your given roles at whatever stage of life you're at. Um, but I think it is important to, um, 
uh, as the spouse who's not the sole breadwinner to support the one who is the breadwinner in their, um, so like making sure they don't have just a ton of stuff to do when they get home, like leaving all the chores and stuff for them. And, you know, if you work remote and you're at home all day and you have breaks in between, you know, that that's different. You can put the dishes away or whatever in between meetings or phone calls. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just very nuanced between every job. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's the one thing too, um, with like my job, you know, like I'll have days where I'm gone all day long and then I'll have days where like, I kind of take like my quote unquote admin days and, you know, work mm-hmm. on marketing campaigns and reordering product and, you know, keeping everything straight so that it doesn't get too out of line. Um, and on days like that, you know, like, yes, I'm working, but I have the time and the ability to, you know, straighten up around the house. And however, mm-hmm. you know, I can lighten my spouse's burden when they come home, I try to do that. Not because, you know, and I don't take it as a power trip thing. I don't think it, Oh, you know, I'm, you know, a lot of guys joke about, Oh yeah, I did my housewife duties today or whatever. Like, (laughs) you know, that it's fun to joke around and be punchy about, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, whatever I can do to like lighten the load on my spouse, um, you know, I'm going to do it because, you know, that makes their life easier and makes them more, you know, willing to show up and want to show up. And I think you nurture your spouse in a lot of like micro, um, I don't know that micro disciplines is the right word, but like in a lot of micro ways, just like these Mm -hmm. little things add up to like overall, um, confidence and like trust in each other. And when you're showing up in yeah. those ways, um, you know, because every, like, there's a lot of men that have like, you know, your pretty traditional work schedule, go to the office, you know, eight to five, whatever. Um, but there's also an increasing amount of guys that like work really hard and aren't necessarily a quote unquote stay at home dad or whatever. Um, but also have more time at home around the house with the kids or whatever. And, you know, it'd be very easy to go, okay, well, you know, my wife said she would do that. So I'll let her do that when she gets home and I'll sit down here and watch a couple episodes of a show I like, or play some Xbox or do whatever. And like, you know, I guess that's the biggest thing that I've tried to be mindful about with my career change lately um, is there ha- there has been more downtime um, in like in spurts like there's days where I work you know 10 11 12 hour days and it's a super full day you know and then there's days where I have you know a super easy day so um, mm-hmm. something I've just like really been trying to challenge myself is just to not get um, uh, complacent in that um, yeah and like not let that downtime lead to laziness or uh lack of effort so mhm yeah that's good stuff uh i guess we can go on to uh 
contentment versus settling for good enough. Yeah. Um, I think think there's a big distinction in there because a lot of time, like just on social media right now, we see like everybody has the newest car or everybody has the biggest house or, you know, whatever. And it's always a fight to the top, but then you get there and there's always something bigger or better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a constant battle for, us as Christians to be like, well, are we content with what we have and like happy? And, you know, that's one thing. But then the other part of that is, are we just settling for what's good enough? Quote unquote. Yeah. Because God has, you know, maybe God has a blessing through the next door and you get a job offer somewhere that's making you more, but you're like, well, I'm making enough right now. Do I really need to pursue that excellence and, you know, put myself out there, take the risk, or do I just settle and be content where I'm at? Or who knows what God could have around the corner for you, but because you're just settling for good enough, you're never going to get there, you know, like, because, because you're so like, okay, and settled with the mediocrity and like the, you know, being quote unquote, I guess I would put it as like comfortable, Mm-hmm. Um, like I think, and I, dude, I've seen that a lot in my life of like, man, I'm mm-hmm. like, I've got it pretty good. You know, I can't complain my number, you know, when I was working, um, you know, I was working, you know, a job where I was on commission. And so, you know, oh man, I had a really good month this month. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting pretty it's, you know, it's, it's good. And then I'd have a bad month the next month and be like, Oh, I can't believe I had a bad month. And I was like, well, (laughs) you know, and you know, that wasn't entirely, and I'm not even just, I'm not saying this to make an excuse, you know, like there is some logistical and account, um, account package things that certainly factored into that. But, you know, I would still, even with the account package I had, I would have better months than others. And, and those better months were, you know, when I was really, uh, working hard and not, not just settling for good enough. Um, so I'm, I'm actually really glad you brought that up. Um, what do you think that looks like to you? Like what is maybe a personal example or just kind of a, maybe a common, thing that we see or trend of like what is that like good enough um attitude kind of like flush out or like how does that kind of look you know yeah i I like what you said about like being comfortable uh because we're not necessarily called to be comfortable right in our uh christian walk but um i guess good enough to me is like you know, you've taken care of all your budget items and then you have some margin to do some, you know, fun things on the side, but you're also saving for the future. Right. Uh, however that looks like, like in your family, if you've budgeted for that, um, and then like not good enough in my opinion is, you know, you have some margin, but not quite enough. Like you're not saving what you want to, or you're, you know, say you have a, one year, five year goal, like system going on. Right. And you're trying to like accomplish that. If you're not meeting those goals on time, I would say that's not good enough. And that's, that's my opinion on it. But, right. um, 
I guess another aspect of that would be like realizing if you have margin in your time, not necessarily in your money, but are you using that margin wisely or are you just kind of doing whatever you want in that time? So you said margin and Mm -hmm. it correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was, um, becoming a king that he talked about your margin Am I mm-hmm. correct in that? I think so. Do you remember I also know the context in the orange that? book? Oh um, yeah. Um, I think maybe it was in uh, hurry. yeah ruthless elimination of hurry. Maybe it was in that. But I think it also talked about that in becoming a king. Yeah. Let me look at the we guys. Sorry, we reference our the books that we read a lot because, I mean. In all honesty, like there really is a lot of good stuff in these books. And um, obviously, if we're calling back to it and remembering it, then, you know, it was good and we and we learned something. So. uh. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I've mentioned this before um, and we're working on it Uh, right now. It'll be probably pretty short, but we are working on. getting a website going. And once we do, we'll have a section on there where we put, um, book recommendations and, um, maybe some book reviews or, you know, things like that. So that, you know, when you guys hear us, um, reference these books in the podcast, there's an easy, um, spot for y'all to go to, to find them. So did you find it, Zach? Um, not yet. I think he mentioned it in his budgeting thing because he says take mastery over your budget. Mm, yeah. um, so that may have been the context for that, but I couldn't find the direct uh, phrasing for that. Gotcha. But I also know the uh, ruthless elimination of hurry is a lot about uh, margin in your time mm-hmm. versus your money. Um, so I guess good enough would be margin in both areas. And, uh, you know, there's going to be seasons of life where you don't have margin and money or margin and time. And right. hopefully those don't coincide with each other. Cause that's mm-hmm. a really, uh, really tough position to be in. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's what I would define good enough as. Do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like there's complacency that leads really poor results. Um, and I think that's like the most, um, I think that's the most like glaring version or like term of that we think of when we think of complacency is like poor results. But I think there's also this like aspect of complacency that is arguably easier to fall into because um, it's easy to go like when things aren't going well, it's easy to go, Oh, well, man, I was really complacent this month. I shouldn't have done that. Like, damn, this sucks. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like that. I think, and I like the way that you put it because I think it maybe sums it up better. 
but like just that good enough mentality that, you know, things might not be going wrong. It might not be a tough month financially. Um, you know, things are going okay or even good. Um, you know, you've gotten maybe some praise from a superior or a boss or something like that. And so you're like, okay, like I'm just keep doing what I'm doing, you know? Um, and I think that's a really easy track to fall into. Cause it's like, I think it goes back to that. Like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it mentality. Um, mm-hmm. so, but you know, some, some seasons of life are just, they're going to be good enough, you know? Right. It's and, not going to be like, you need to pursue even more because what's on your plate is sufficient and you know, you got to limit your working so that you can pour into your marriage or right. You know, however that looks at the time, but it's not like a cookie cutter. Well, if you feel like you're doing good enough, you're not doing good enough, you know? Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's so many like, and there's a lot of nuance in that too. Like, um, Mm -hmm. and there's really no cookie cutter like situation for what good enough is. Uh, and you know, it's like you said, there's seasons of life that we go through where, um, you know, sickness or, you know, a death in the family or, you know, just stuff like that going on where, or, you know, your wife's pregnant, you know, anything like that where, you know, doing good enough and being able to still show up and focus on your family is, you know, maybe what's most important, but recognizing Mm -hmm. that that's only for a season is where the key, like differentiating factor of that is. Um, and like knowing that, Hey, you know, even though I, like, even though I might have to settle for good enough now, I'm not going to stay here. And it's only for a, a limited amount of time. And when that season of of that good enough is over, I need to get back to it and really, really, you know, work hard to get back to where mm-hmm. I'm not settling, you know? So, yeah. So I guess we'll transition. Um, how do you determine discontentment versus pursuing slash demanding excellence of yourself? I know we kind of touched on that, but because yeah. um, again, you can say, well, I'm doing good enough, but in that mindset, are you demanding excellence of yourself or are you just doing the bare minimum to get by? Right. I, so here's my here's my spiel on this. Um, discontentment is like a very easy trap to fall into. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of areas in life, um, I mean, obviously, in this scenario, we're talking about um, careers and stuff. And so I think the biggest thing for discontentment with that is just like, you know, you're not meant to have this, you know, maybe the same job as your buddy or the guy that Mm -hmm. you, you know, go to church with or whatever. Like, I think 
it's easy to get discontent in the job that you have. Um, I think it's especially easy in an area like where we live in Northwest Arkansas because of, you know, Walmart's here, Tyson's here. Actually, Tyson, it's been going around this last week or so that Tyson's actually moving all of their employees to Northwest Arkansas, their corporate employees. Um, so mm-hmm. that's going to be another huge boom for Northwest Arkansas. Um, JB Hunt, I mean, so many companies here. And um, so it's very easy to look at what everyone else is doing and the cars that they drive or neighborhood they live in um, or vacations that they're taking or whatever. It's so easy to fall into that trap. Yeah. Um, but like, I think it's arguably, I think you could argue that it's um, possible to be pursuing and demanding excellence in the area that you're at while also being discontent because like you Mm -hmm. can be really pushing the envelope and excelling in your current job, but still be envious of someone else's position in life. And so I think we have to be careful about that of like, you know, yeah, I might be really kicking ass in what I'm doing, but that might, might, you know, there might be a heart issue there. And even though I'm excelling and, and demanding excellence where I'm at, I'm not happy because I'm discontent with thinking that I want something that maybe I'm not supposed to have right now. Um, yeah. So I think think for me, go hand in hand really. Yeah. I think for me, it would be like, what's your why? Like, why are you pursuing excellence? Yeah, are you doing yeah, that just yeah. for your, like, are you doing it because you want the next biggest truck or are you doing it because you want to honor God and the abilities that he's given you and, right. um, you know, just know in your own mind and heart that you're doing your very best in that situation. Sure. And then I wanted, I'm not going to say his name, but I just wanted to you know, give him some props for this at our meeting Tuesday night. One of the guys, um, had a meeting with his boss, uh, this past week, just kind of seeing like where everything was at with that relationship. Mm -hmm. And, um, he admitted that he wasn't working at a hundred percent of his ability. He was about 75 to 80%. And so just him being able to, see that for himself like in himself right um without necessarily being forced like his boss didn't come up and say you're not working hard enough his boss asked him like what level of effort are you putting into this right and he answered honestly and so i just think he deserves some recognition for that and being able to recognize that in himself so and that's where like it would have been really easy for him to like pivot on his stance and make an excuse Mm -hmm. is that I said, I asked him, I said, Hey, do you think that you've been working at a hundred percent of what you're capable of doing? And it would have Mm -hmm. been very easy for him to say, you know, well, yeah, that's true. You know, I really have been, maybe my boss is the problem because like, Mm -hmm. and, and I wanted to throw that out there and go, Hey, you know, maybe you are, maybe your boss just doesn't see it, you know, because the the individual we're speaking of is a very hard worker. Like no one will deny that and everyone sees it. And so, you know, that's why I threw that out there was like, Hey man, do you think that like, 
you know, maybe this in this scenario, maybe this isn't a you problem. Maybe it is. Uh, um, maybe it is your boss just like not recognizing, you know, what you have to offer. Um, and he is like, no, I genuinely do think that like I could be working harder. Um, mm-hmm. So that was that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. I'm sure he'll listen to it and probably smile. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, hopefully. And then uh, I guess before we pivot on to our next topic, uh, we can hit briefly on seasons of working versus seasons of resting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. I think that's great. I think, uh, you know, especially in the hustle culture that we're in right now, it's like, well, you should never be resting, drink another Red Bull and get to work. Right. Um, you know, that's not healthy or sustainable. You know, there's times where you are just going to have to go get a cup of coffee or a Red Bull or whatever your energy source of choice is. Sure. Um, and you know finish whatever you've got on your plate but there's also times where you need to recognize you're gonna burn out if you don't slow down and you're worse off if you're trying to recover from burnout and then maintain a normal level of work than if you just slowed down a little bit and had like a a uh a push for extra work but also room for your own like rest and health right and i I, like that's a big thing for me like something i've definitely struggled with in the past is like burnout is because i'll get super like in my previous job i'd get super excited about like you know a big quote that i had going you know on the not even on the back back burner but like on the on the forefront of my quotes or I had like Mm -hmm. a really solid quoting pipeline, you know, or a new job that would pop up. And one of my customers was super interested in, you know, working with us on a bunch of the stuff. Um, and so I would get super stoked about it and like really dissect it and pick it apart or, um, you know, there's so many examples. That's just one of them, but like I would get so invested in that. And I'd be mm-hmm. working so, 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 so hard um, that I just reached that point of burnout that we all, and I, I like, I hate that term and I don't know why I hate that term. Um, to me, burnout is more like I'm done. I'm walking away. Like mm-hmm. from a, like burnout to me is like a point to where it's like, I think the term is used too loosely. I, I think like, and this could just be the way I look at it and the way like the context I've been provided in life for the word. But like to me, burnout is like, no, F this career. I never want to do sales ever again. I'm pivoting careers. Um, but I know some people take that more lighter. Is it like, but I think we also have to be careful of like, are you burnt out or are you just tired? And like, yeah. I think those are two big differences is like, because I think a lot of people use the term burnout for being tired or worn out. And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. dude, you still have gas left in the tank. Like, yeah, you know, strike while the iron's hot and don't get Mm -hmm. complacent. And so I think that's maybe why I hate that word is I think it's used too interchangeably with being weary or tired or just kind of worn out. 
Um, and maybe mm-hmm. that's why I don't like the word. Um, but I think to me, true burnout is like, okay, like I have nothing left in the tank. Either I don't want to ever do this career again, or like I'm so burnt out, I can't function and do my job right. And so, yeah. um, like, yeah, you just have to be careful. Um, because when you get to that point, you're not going to show up for that job easy. And I've been really guilty of that in the past of like, when I get to that point, everything just starts falling apart because I'm not, I'm doing a half-assed job at work. When I was doing above and beyond, you go from doing above and beyond to subpar. And that's like a really dangerous, like swing, especially financially. If you're a person that works on like commission or, um, you do gig work or something like that, like, that could get really dangerous really fast. Um, so just be careful about that guys, like know when to take a break um, and not be ashamed to like admit that like, Hey, I need a break. Like I need to, you know, take a personal day or, you know, something like that to, to get back on track. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. What are your thoughts uh, on that? I know I kind of like exploded words everywhere, but <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I like what you said about words being used too loosely. And I think, you know, I was thinking about that this morning, uh, as I was barely trying to wake up, I was like, there's so many words that people use. And I think somebody said something this week to me that bothered Mm -hmm. me, but, um, there's so many words that we use that are like, they have a meaning and we've completely erased that meaning and just watered it down completely. Um, I wish I could remember the word I was thinking of this morning, but yeah, I guess it doesn't matter, but that's a, we know we could probably have a whole podcast episode on a list of words that we think are overused and, uh, watered down, but yeah, um, for sure. I'll try to get back on topic now. No, you're good. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's all good stuff for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to, uh, you know, if you're financially able to go on vacation and get away from work and turn off all your devices and enjoy time, uh, with your spouse or just alone or however that looks for you and, uh, you know, take your rest and most jobs come with vacation days. Yeah. You know, maybe you get two weeks of vacation a year if you're a person who wants the full two weeks all at once, take it all at once. Or if you want one week every six months, do that. But, uh, you know, that's part of your compensation. And I think some companies, and I don't know any, um, off the top of my head that do this, but I know some companies try to, um, pressure you into not taking time off and to just keep working. Uh, and I think that's, honestly stupid for a company to do that Mm -hmm. because you're going to come back from vacation and yeah, you're going to have to get back in the swing of things, but you're probably going to be better off. You're going to have a better attitude and just be a better person to be around. Oh yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, when you're working, you should be working not, you know, over the top where you're burning yourself out, um, like legitimately burning yourself out. But you should be working at, you know, whatever Full your capacity. Yeah. Like yeah, demanding be, excellence of yourself and your work. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I, and you know, all of these things are really easy, like traps to fall into. Um, and yeah. when you're not careful, 
Um, I mean, yeah. And, you know, sorry for the confusion about, you know, my opinion of the word burnout and everything. I just think that like a lot of times I hear people say that and I'm like, do you, are you actually feeling what you mean by saying that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and there's a lot of nuance in words nowadays that people mince up so much, like, you know, the word, Oh, I'm frustrated. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, what is frustrated? Are you angry or are you sad? You know, or like what, you know, frustrated you know, it's become kind of just like this meshed, like overall word for things. And anyway, we won't dive, (laughs) dive into that, but, um, yeah, I just think there's so many ways to look at burnout and, um, you know, really the goal of this podcast is to become better men. And so in closing on that, I would just encourage each of you to be proactive Um, and I think that goes right along with, you know, what Zach was saying about, you know, you know, you're given, you know, PTO days for a reason. Um, and so be proactive about that. Even if it's not using a PTO day, just like staying diligent and vigilant enough to like recognize when you're Mm -hmm. reaching a point of burnout and instead of letting it happen, be proactive. Like, Hey, how can I like, like if you're in the position to do so maybe you're you're in leadership or in some sort of managerial role you know how can i delegate within reason and and being fair to the people that are you know below you um Mm -hmm. and people that you're entrusted with uh leadership to um but you know maybe how can i delegate some of these things that i've been taking on um in order to like prevent some of this burnout or, you know, maybe I need to like, you know, for me, a good example of that would be, you know, maybe I need to take a week and instead of, instead of scheduling as many details as I can possibly handle, you know, maybe knocking that back for a week and like going, Hey, you know, instead of having to rush around, like I'm still making money, I'm still working hard. I'm still bringing in income, but like maybe take a light week and go, okay, you know, instead of by myself trying to do two, three vehicles every day of the week, you know, knock it back to one a day or two a day or Mm -hmm. something, you know, like bring that workload back would be a good way to like kind of stay proactive if you uh, recognize that you're getting to a point of burnout. Um, Or, you know, I I know a lot of people and I'm guilty of this too. um, Like you work eight to five all week, really hard all day. And you're like, Oh man, I can't wait to the weekend, you know, to relax and do this. And then you're doing stuff all weekend constantly, especially Mm -hmm. those of y'all out there that have kids, you know, especially kids that are at the age where they're in sports and have friends and activities outside of school. Like you end up running around all weekend. Um, and it's not really even a weekend you don't get any rest. It's like, you know, you're constantly doing activities. So like another good way to prevent that burnout would be like, Hey, we're just, you know, if you have a spouse, just say, Hey, you know, we're going to have a chill weekend this weekend. If you have family and kids like, Hey, Hey fam, Hey kids, like 
we're having a, a downtime. We're having a down weekend. Like we're, we're going to take mm-hmm. a break. We're going to relax. You know, if y'all want to go over to a friend's house and hang out and y'all don't want to partake in that, you know, whatever, unless you think your kids need that. If you think your kids need that, mm-hmm. then yeah, put your foot down and say, Hey, you know, as a family, we're taking a rest weekend. Um, you know, yeah. if your kids are, you know, carefree and, and all is right in the world, you know, it, maybe you and your spouse do need that time. Um, and one of your yeah. buddies or one of your other family church friends or whatever is willing to like have the kids over for the weekend and have a sleepover and, and hang out. You know, that's a way speaking of, uh, people that have, you know, church friends and community groups and stuff like that's a way to, uh, witness to others. And like, if you recognize that like one of your fellow guys in your group is reaching that point of burnout, Hey man, you know, let, let us have the kids for the weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. let us have the kids over. We'll, we'll take care of them. You and, and your spouse just take a break. And like, that's another way of being proactive towards others and not towards yourself of like, Hey, that's a way to serve the other guys in your group is like lighten their workload for them. You know, so yeah. like, there's so many examples of like being proactive in that and not letting it happen. You know, it's, it's like, you know, we all, we all see burnout happening. And so in a sense, mm-hmm. it's like watching a train wreck. Hey, if you can prevent the train wreck, let's, let's stop it. Like, let's not even yeah. have to deal with the burnout. Let's, let's stop it before it happens, be proactive and, and take, take care of it on the front end um, because we've all seen the side effects of it and the consequences of it and it'd be better to avoid it. So, yeah, um, that's really good. I think it'd be good as a parent in the future to model that so that your kids see like, Oh yeah, rest is important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's see. Moving forward. Um, Let's talk about having one career versus having multiple um, income producing interests or pursuits. Yeah. Um, I think (laughs) part of this was eventually we'd like for it to be some sort of income, but we're a little bit Mm -hmm. more passionate about, (laughs) I say a little bit in an ironic way, (laughs) but um, we're more passionate about this word and and the message and and what it does for men than making money off of it. Um, so I think it's okay to like, you know, (laughs) I think we all have that like one money pit hobby. Um, for me, that's (laughs) like hunting and archery. And, you know, I try to keep that like within reason and, you know, not spend my entire life savings on that. Um, but like, I think, with regard to like those like passive income streams, I think in some stages of life, it can be a little bit like passive income streams, especially are going to have very different barriers to entry depending Mm -hmm. on what that passive income looks like. So for example, having rental properties is a fantastic passive income stream. Yeah, but most, and I say most because there are extraneous circumstances, most 24, 25, 26, you know, through your late 20 year old people, most don't have the ability to have five, six, 
heck, even another property. Like you have mm-hmm. your mortgage and like, that's it. You know, that's, you know, yeah. you, you can afford your mortgage. It's not stressful to pay your mortgage, but like, that's it. And so like yeah. barriers to entry is very key in passive income. Um, you know, I know a lot of guys out there our age that have investment properties and like, that's awesome. Like you've obviously mm-hmm. either been handed money, which a lot of people say, Oh, daddy's money. But like, Hey, the fact that someone entrusted you with the amount of money to like buy an investment property says that like, Hey, they're pretty confident that you're not going to lose it, you know, or they've worked really hard and played their card cards. Right. And that should be celebrated that you're in your mid twenties and Mm -hmm. you have an investment property. Even one is impressive at, at, at our age. And so that's, that's one, that's an example of like, Passive income streams have variable um, barriers to entry, so yeah, it's really easy at our age to like get discouraged that like oh I don't have a ton of passive income, um, mm-hmm. but there are ways to like you know I think passive income and side hustles are two very different things because a side hustle, generally speaking, insinuates some amount of labor of some sort, um, whether that's gig work, like DoorDash or Uber Eats or Ubering or, or Lyft or whatever, like that's labor. But yeah, I guess a lot of my side hustles tend to be manual labor type stuff. Like someone Mm -hmm. will, I always like when people use this term, someone will commission my work for like a (laughs) coffee table or a a planner box or, um, you know, my business partner and I built a wheelchair ramp, um, a month or so ago, um, for a lady over in Rogers and like, you know, we definitely didn't make what we could have off of it because you know, we, we don't work for free. Like that's the definition mm-hmm. of a side hustle. You shouldn't be doing it for free. Um, but we also wanted to help this lady out too, because she needed it. Um, but him and I both made very good money off of that project. Um, and so a lot of my side hustles are, uh, manual labor because it's low barriers to entry. The only thing I need are my tools and my knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, a way to get the materials to the job site, which honestly, even nowadays, like, um, you can have Lowe's deliver your lumber package to like, so you like, don't let having a truck or a trailer or whatever, like stop you from, um, doing like side hustles. Like I have a Subaru cross track. Well, it's my wife's now. Um, but I have a Subaru cross track and like, I don't let that stop me. As long as I can get my tools and what I need in it, like I'm not going to let that be a barrier to entry. I can have Lowe's or Home Depot or whoever deliver my lumber package to a job site or, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'll call Zach and Hey, can I give you gas money to deliver my lumber? You know, like don't let that be a barrier to entry. But to me, side hustle versus passive income is looks, uh, it looks a little different. Um, yeah, but I think, um, you know, if the job that you have is, and is your eight to five job and it's providing more than enough financially, you're already spread thin enough. I don't think it's a good idea to go looking for side hustles. Um, passive income, I think that's mm-hmm. a different story. But like, dude, if your job's paying the bills, 
and in excess um, and you're spread really thin and already having problems showing up for your spouse and being present, it's not, I don't think, and I think it's I could, definitely not worth it. No. And I think I could find a lot of people to back up and this is strictly my mm-hmm. opinion, but I, I do feel like there's a lot of people that would validate that, that like, Hey, if you're covered financially and more, and you're having a hard time showing up, maybe not a good idea. Now that mm-hmm. then lends itself to like, Hey, if you've got excess finance, like financial play, then maybe you can find some passive income streams where you can still show up and be a good husband uh, or father or whatever and make that extra money, you know? So you just have to be very diligent and and discerning when, when you talk about these things and be careful with your time and, and like guarding that time. So. Yeah. Something I wanted to touch on, which we could probably have a whole nother podcast episode on, but, um, you said like if someone gives a young person like us a bunch of money, like what is the best thing you can do with that as the receiver of that? Well, invest it, but invest it in what crypto, right? I mean, you know, I think that, I think that had its time and you could have made a ton of money doing that, but now I don't think that's, you know, that's just my opinion and I'm not a financial guru by any means. Yeah. Um, and this is not advice. So consult with an actual financial advisor Please if you want advice. Any financial advice concerning crypto stocks or trading from the Young Codgers podcast. Correct. <laughs> There's the uh, asterisk um, fine print at the bottom <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if I were to get an inheritance like tomorrow, I'd put it in real estate because yeah. that has Especially probably one here. of the best track records. Yeah. And so, you know, I I don't think we should in any way, shape or form shit on somebody who has daddy's money or grandpa's money. Yeah. You know, like they had to that's lose a, somebody who they would much big, rather have in their life yeah. than, um, have the money or the property like Like, yeah it's great insecure mindset to have around other people's money like if you're Mm -hmm. like if you're shitting on someone because they have daddy's money or like old money or like an inheritance like okay so what if they flaunt it like whatever dude who cares like that's their life let them do it whatever but the fact that like you're letting it Mm -hmm. bother you strike straight to an insecurity i don't care like i used to let that stuff bother me i don't care like so what your dad gave you a bunch Mm -hmm. of money or your dad's wealthy or your grandfather is wealthy or you have generational wealth whatever great that's awesome like i'm gonna have to work a little bit harder than you to get that money but like hey at the end of the day it's still possible at some point for me to have just as much money it just maybe came a little bit easier to you Mm -hmm. but like you said you know what's it worth? Like yeah. I can promise you that like there's no money amount of money in the world. Even if you don't like have a close relationship with the person that you inherited that money from, like money can't replace time and, and people like it, it can't like that's money mm-hmm. fixes a lot of problems and it makes a lot of problems easier to deal with, but like it can't bring people back and it can't bring back time point blank period. So like, yeah, 
hey, yep. don't like don't hate on those people. The fact that they're able to have that passive income stream, you should be celebrating that. And hey, who knows? Maybe because you weren't a dick to that person and celebrated in their successes, maybe they'll give you an opportunity that you might not have had beforehand to get your hand in the pot. Mm-hmm. And like me personally, the career pivot that I made gave me the ability to invest in an opportunity that I'm going to be able to make a lot of money in exchange for my time and expertise. I invested, I had yeah. to invest no money in what I'm doing currently. The only investment I had to mm-hmm. make at this point, and there will be uh, opportunity in the very near future because of discussions that we've had for me to be able to have financial actual financial obligation and ownership in that company. But it set mm-hmm. me on a very good trajectory to only have to invest my time and my knowledge and expertise in this career field in exchange for very good income. Yeah. But because my mindset changed on the way that other people handle their money and invest allowed me to be able to be in a position to where if I was shitting on that person that my, like my business partner and I was like, Oh, well, you know, he doesn't have, you know, any money because he runs this type of company or, you know, Oh, well, I can't believe he wouldn't mm-hmm. spend like, why wouldn't you invest more? Like I know the type of money, you like any one of those scenarios, yeah. you think you would have asked me to be a part of this new venture? No. Do you think that, you talking no. bad about people behind their backs because they have daddy's money or inherited money is going to lend you to opportunities in order to better yourself? Absolutely not. Because, hey, people talk, and I can promise you that the crap that you talk about someone's money, it gets back to them. And, hey, yeah, don't, don't, sh- don't sell yourself short because you're insecure about the amount of money that someone else makes, you know? So... Mm-hmm. that's my two cents on that but yeah <laughs> i like it so um, you know i think it should be celebrated and you know if they have the uh mental capacity to know that putting it in a bank is not the wise thing to do or putting it in cars or their own big house or you know flaunting it like you said you know if they have the knowledge and the ability to go invest that Right. And it makes them a little bit of money on the side, like passive income and not only like appreciating assets, like right. that should be celebrated too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah moving forward think, from that, uh, we talked a lot about balance. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh no. I was just going to say like, I think, and we've talked oh. about this in like the ego episode, but like mm-hmm. as men, especially we should be celebrating each other's successes um, regardless of the kickback that we might get from it. Like, you know, I, I like, I know mm-hmm. the example that I gave was like more, it was like a kind of selfish example, but it, like, it's also not an ignorant mindset to have that. Like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate in other people's successes, not because I want them to give me an incentive, but like, because I genuinely am happy for them. But the inverse of that is shitting on somebody, definitely not putting yourself in a good spot. 
investment wise, like, yeah, you know, if you want someone to take a chance on you, not a good look, dude. I mean, not a good look in general, but really mm-hmm. not a good look when you're a young entrepreneur or a young investor or a young real estate agent or young anything, but especially young entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. young business owners, really not a good look. Um, because yeah, you know, the word gets around and people talk. And if you're the young quote unquote entrepreneur or business owner around town, people know that. And like people take, like people look and people watch and they watch mm-hmm. your every move because there's a lot of older people that are looking for young investors to, you know, uh, you know, pass the torch. And, uh, if you're the young entrepreneur that's been going around talking crap about everybody, you're not going to get that shot. So, um, but going back to what I was saying is Mm -hmm. like, regardless of like the incentives that you would, you would get from, you know, celebrating in those successes, regardless of that, regardless of where you're at versus one of your buddies in their career, we should always be celebrating each other's successes always. So I'll leave it. I'll leave that at that. So yep. I just, I wanted to kind of give some like <laughs> yeah. clarification on that. Like you shouldn't just be celebrating your success or like other successes because you want them to give you a piece of their investment. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. Moving on, what um, you kind of balance? sticking with, I was just going to say we hit on balance pretty well. Um, Just, you know, making sure you're not overreaching or over leveraging yourself and your time for, you know, a little bit, a little bit more money. Cause you know, the more you work, there's a point of diminishing returns where the more time you spend, the less money you're going to get to a point. Um, so we kind of, we hit on that pretty mm-hmm. well. And then, uh, I wanted to stick with like the passive income streams, whether that's like, you know, rental property or whatever that is. Um, you know, maybe it's just being the investor in a new small business and you hire somebody to do the labor of that. Um, but is it wise to quote unquote fight for building passive income streams while you're young so that you right. can enjoy like your mid middle age and beyond. Um, right. Or is it wise to just fight for your one career and, you know, see where that takes you, if that makes sense. And I'm not yeah. uh, saying that like one, having one career is a bad thing. Uh, like I think it's a good thing, but I'm just trying to like differentiate the two. No, I, I like, so I like the way that you phrase that is like fighting for passive income, like fighting to build those passive income streams. Um, cause like, it really is a fight and I think a word mm-hmm. that maybe could go look at, um, well, like a word that could like kind of go hand in hand with that would be like sacrificing. Mm-hmm. Um, would go synonymously with fighting in that scenario um, because he like for example like a guy that is fighting i.e. sacrificing to build those passive income streams he probably has some money 
that he could spend on some fun stuff or a vacation or something like that. And and I'm not like, I'm talking from a place of like advice here, not that I'm perfect about doing this, but like it, it, it is a fight at a young, like being younger to like fight or sacrifice for, to build those passive income streams because typically it you know when you're younger younger entrepreneur younger business owner younger employee at a company excess money doesn't come easy and so we have a tendency to want to like hold on to that or spend it on fun things um so i think it is a fight to build that at a young age and i I do think Mm -hmm. it's wise i i do i really do think it's wise at a younger age to try to build those passive income streams so that, you know, like, and bless their heart. Like they're, they're doing what they have to do to get by. But like, um, I don't want to be 70 years old and working behind a deli counter at a Walmart or, or, or a door greeter, or like my company has to force me into retirement because I can't, as much as I want to retire, I can't afford to, because I like, you know, like mm-hmm. no one wants to have to rely off of, you know, the government for retirement. Like if you can build yeah. those and sacrifice and quote unquote fight, like, you know, I like that term that you use. Like if you can fight for that now, um, while in, while it might be inconvenient or, you know, you might have to make some sacrifices, like, I would agree with you that it's wise and and would serve people well to to fight for those now so that you know later on in life you can take the kids and grandkids on that big family vacation and you know maybe buy that boat and have a lake house for the fam to come hang out or put a pool in or you know there's so many mm-hmm. you know and and this goes perfectly back to Zach like what you said is what's your why um you know, mm-hmm. what's your why for, for building that passive income? And if your why is just pure greediness and wanting to have a shit ton of money, it might not be worth it. But if your why is to mm-hmm. provide a positive experience for the future generations of your family and have quality time with one another, I'd say that why is a pretty good reason to fight for passive income streams at a young age. So, yeah. I mean, one of my goals with passive income is to, um, like my, I guess this is a stretch goal, uh, but to have three rental properties, whether that's single family homes or three duplexes, hopefully three duplexes, yeah. uh, by the time I'm yeah. 30. And the reason like my why for that is to replace my income, not so that I don't have to work, but so that my wife doesn't have to work and she can homeschool our kid. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's how we're going to do schooling at that point. Um, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but I would like it to be an option instead of my wife having to work and us having to put our kid in a private school or, um, public school. And not that those things are inherently bad. Uh, I wouldn't consider them inherently good, given the way the world yeah. has turned to them. But, yeah. um, you know, that's one of my goals and that's my why behind it. Um, so yeah. And I think, I guess we'll see if that happens. 
No, hundred percent. And like, I, like that's just such a good like motivator for like careers or investing or building passive incomes or even side hustles. Like what's your why? I mean, you know, uh, mm-hmm. my why in a lot of, you know, like for example, uh, a couple weeks ago, my wife needed some new clothes and some stuff for fall, which, you know, all girls do going into fall. And, you know, we certainly could have made room for that in the budget. It would have been no big deal. But instead mm-hmm. of like having to do that, I went out, I power washed some siding and I made 250 bucks. And I said, Hey, here you go. Here's 250 bucks. Go get what you need. You know, like, yeah. uh, that's, and I know a lot of people, well, nowadays it's virtually impossible, but you know, a lot of people, my dad, for example, like, um, I remember as a younger kid, like he had cattle and if we needed a new washer and dryer, he sold some cows and went and wrote a check for mm-hmm. it. Like, you know, that's like all of those things. If you can find creative ways, you know, okay. Say passive income isn't maybe attainable for the spot that you're in right now. Um, mm-hmm. Like, and, and here's a caveat to that and why I said right now, because passive income is always achievable. You just have to work hard. Uh, and you might have to work harder than other people. That's life. It's not fair. Some people have to work harder yeah. for what they get than yeah. others. Point blank. Uh, sorry. No one cares. Work harder. You know, like Cam Haynes says that all the time. Like, dude, oh, you know, they got it so much easier than me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're right. They damn sure did. What are you going to do about it? You're going to sit and cry mm-hmm. and be broke and, and stupid and uneducated? Or are you going to get up off your ass, go work? and provide, you know? So I say that to say like maybe passive income stream isn't attainable for you right now where you're at. There's so many like side hustles and things that you could be doing right now. to like, even if it's like, if it's like, Hey, I've got my bills covered. Then putting that money in savings, you know, and building that savings Mm -hmm. up, like, you know, Hey, if you're struggling to pay the bills, you don't need side hustles. You need jobs. Like you need an eight to five and you need a night shift. Like whatever you need to do to pay the bills, don't be side hustling, dude. Like you need to be working Mm -hmm. all day and then you come home, you eat dinner and then you go work all night. Like whatever you need to do to pay the bills. Like if you're struggling to pay the bills, this, I'm not talking to you. Like side hustles are for people that like, Hey, the bills are paid. We're okay what can I do to create some income to either put in savings or like, Hey, instead of having to work that into the budget, maybe that frees up some budget money to go to other things that need to take that need to be taken care of, or just to put more money in savings. Um, or like, Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe, you know, maybe you're saving up for a vacation, you know, a side hustle is a fantastic way to, um, to do that. And side hustles also can turn into full blown businesses. Like, for example, I never yeah. would have thought in 2016. Yeah, 2016, I started detailing cars. I'd always loved detailing. Like, I mean, you can attest to this. I washed my car probably twice a week in high school. Um, so I, like, you tried I to wash the paint off of it. 
Yeah, I did. That paint was probably actually thinner <laughs> than it was from the factory, but um, no, like, uh, which actually is a detail geek that does happen over time. Um, anyways, off my detail geek uh, soapbox, but like, uh, I love detailing cars. I love car like my liking. So my love for detailing came from my love of cars. Um, but in 2016, I started detailing vehicles on the side. Like literally I had a, actually when I started, I had a garden hose and a shop vac and a bucket of water. Like I didn't have a pressure washer. I didn't have any of that. Um, Mm -hmm. but then I saved up a little money. I bought an electric pressure washer, a shop vac, um, some cleaning products and brushes and soaps like that's it. And we lived in a nicer neighborhood. And so a lot of the people in that neighborhood started, you know, they, you know, I posted on our neighborhood Facebook page, um, that I was doing detailing and that was a side hustle for me. I worked, um, at neighborhood market in the deli during the day. Um, that was after I decided that I didn't know what I wanted to do in college after my the first semester of freshman year of college, I was like, I, you know, this ag business thing isn't what I thought it was. I don't know what I want to do. I'm not going to sit over here and waste my money, not knowing what I wanted to do. So I came back after that was working at Walmart and detailing cars. And that was in 2016. And, uh, then in 20, uh, 2018, 2019, uh, my buddy Bryce moved back. He had owned a detailing company out in North Carolina um, and gotten out of it and worked at a car dealership where he did some detailing for them, but mainly he was in sales, made really good money doing that. Um, but he came out for my birthday, was like, yeah, I needed to move back. So he moved back. Uh, we were both in sort of transition stages with jobs. And we were like, hey, we both know a lot about detailing. Let's do it went into detailing. Uh, I got a career offer that at the time was the best possible opportunity for me and pivoted into that into construction sales. And now I'm back into detailing. So 2016 started detailing as a side hustle. And now I do it as my full-time career. I've got the best, most badass setup I've ever had for detailing. I'm making more money detailing now than I ever have in my life detailing. And it started from a side hustle and now that's my career. So like Mm -hmm. those side hustles are fantastic. And I know that was a long like explanation, but I feel like I had to do some sort of like justice to that, that like if you're not sure about a career and you want to like kind of dip your toe in and see what it's all about, or maybe you don't have the capital right now to like, for example, in 2016, as a 19, 20 year old, I didn't have the capital to go buy a brick and mortar space to build a detail shop. I didn't have the money to go fully mm-hmm. outfit a trailer or a van with all the, you know, gear, you know, generators and compressors and pressure washers and tanks and, and all of that. But I had, you know, a couple hundred bucks. I went and bought a pressure washer and a vacuum and started marketing to people in the neighborhood. And 
I have client a client to this day. I detailed their vehicles last week in that neighborhood that I've had since 2016. So like mm-hmm. you work hard, you provide a quality service and take pride in what you do. And a side hustle can turn into a career and a very rewarding career pretty quickly. Um, and yeah. I know that was like a long spiel there, but like, I think that's a pretty like tangible example of how you can take something that you're passionate about and turn it into a, a career from a side hustle. So, yeah, no, I think that's really good. Cause I mean, it attests to giving it your all on every job you do. Uh, cause you yeah. have a client who's six, six years old now as and your client. Picky. Um, they're the most picky client I have, mm-hmm. but they also have the most clean yeah. vehicles so, that I do too. So, yeah. And so, you know, you doing, uh, you doing the best you could do every single time that you work for them or anybody else, you know, that just attests to that concept of always demanding excellence of yourself. I mean, it pays off. Absolutely. You could do so many details half-assed and, you know, make a lot of money real fast, but you're not going to have a whole lot of repeats. Well, and that's the thing too. I would rather have, you know, the way I look at it and, uh, you know, now we're getting into like career advice, which I think is great. Um, Mm -hmm. but like, (laughs) And like business operations and things like that. But like, to me, uh, a bird in hand is better than two in the bush. Like I would rather take the time to provide a quality service and Mm -hmm. have repeat lifelong customers than what a lot of these detail shops around here do and just sling details. Like, you know, I would rather Mm -hmm. have unanimously five-star reviews on all of my Google reviews and do one vehicle a day or two vehicles a day, then swing details out there and have three and a half, four-star mixed reviews. And you look at a lot of the detail mm-hmm. shops around here, they've got a big bad place or they've got the baddest equipment or the baddest machinery or whatever, but they've got incredibly mediocre results and incredibly mediocre reviews. And like, yeah. You know, Andy Frisella talks about this with like first form and stuff all the time. Like, Hey, yeah, my supplements are more expensive than a lot of the guys out there, but I provide a quality premium product. I'm very upfront about that. I don't try to sugarcoat it. And I give you a quality product. I don't just charge a lot of money for a subpar product. The product you're getting is worth the amount of money that you pay. And if you don't want to pay that amount of money for that product, you're not my customer. I a perfect example mm-hmm. of that in my business is I have, and I'm not crapping on old people here, but like almost unanimously when I get turned down because of my pricing on a detail, it's elderly people. One is from lack mm-hmm. of understanding because they don't understand why my services, for example, would cost you know, for a Toyota RAV4 would cost a couple hundred dollars. And I, you know, and I'm not going to throw my exact pricing out there. It's, you know, you call me, I'll give you a quote, but like, you know, like they can't comprehend why it's several hundred dollars for a detail. And that's not paint correction. Mm -hmm. That's not shampooing. Like that's 
you know, very basic detail. But what my very basic detail is the top of the line detail for a lot of people. Anyways, like they turn their nose up at that a lot. And okay, that's, you're not my customer, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like Andy says, you know, first form in, in the businesses that he runs, like, hey, if you're not willing to pay a premium price for a premium product, you're not my customer and that's okay. I hope someday you will be. I'd be more than happy for you to be my customer so that I can provide you a life-changing product um, and a product that's far superior than anyone else is out there. But if you don't see the value in the product that I have to offer, you're not my customer and that's okay. You know? And I think like, as you know, as far as side hustles go or even passive income in, in some circumstances, like, Hey, you know, you've got to, uh, you've got to know, you know, what's worth your time and what's not. And I'm not going to go waste my time mm-hmm. on a vehicle that's absolutely ragged out because it hasn't been washed or detailed in two years because they turned their nose up in my price. It's not worth my time. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go out there and put subpar results out. I'm not going to put my name on something I'm not proud of, and I'm not going to do the caliber of work for less price that I would for a premium product. And so I'm not going to put my name on something mm-hmm. I'm not proud of. And for me to put my name on something that I'm proud of, it's going to be a premium product at a premium price. And that's just the way it is, you know, and people who understand they're getting a premium product, I could charge them literally whatever I wanted for a detail, but I don't. I mean, I charge them mm-hmm. what's within reason and ethically speaking, but like they would pay me a thousand dollars for that detail because they know what they're getting, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I went through that too. Uh, my biggest customer for the agronomy thing, um, that I do has decided to not renew next year. Um, he thinks that he can get the same information from other sources and have all of that right. compiled together and be more cost effective for him this next year. And if he believes it, I hope that works out for him. There's no you know, <laughs> animosity there. Um, there's not to use a word that you hate, but there's a little bit of frustration with, uh, the way that ended, oh, I but, don't hate the word. I think um, it's just confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's like anger, sadness, and confusion all wrapped into one word. Yeah. Uh, just a little nice tidy bow of a typically, word, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if he doesn't think that the service that I provide is worth his money, um, when I knew that, you know, I, so walking away from that, job, you know, I knew I did everything that I was supposed to do and I didn't do anything that I wasn't supposed to do. And so I could walk away knowing that that was not, you know, it wasn't a, do what? I was just saying like in your scenario, like, Hey, here's the numbers, dude. Like I know, Mm -hmm. like, here's what I'm charging you for my services. Here's Mm -hmm. the numbers. I'm still saving you money compared to you trying to figure it out and do it your own way. And if someone wants to spend more Mm -hmm. money, like ultimately here's the deal. 
in most, if not all circumstances, whether you, and, and Evan could give a lot of insight in this, uh, being a contractor or a subcontractor in some scenarios, like most of the time when people turn their nose up at your price, they're going to end up calling you back, paying you the money that you asked them for and more because they already paid another subcontractor who either never showed up to finish the job or did a terrible job. And Mm -hmm. now they want you to come back and fix it. So nine times out of 10, never, unless like ethically speaking, like don't, don't take advantage of people. That's super shitty. Don't ever do that. Mm -hmm. But within ethic, like ethically speaking, never be afraid of turning like people turning your nose up or turning their nose up at your prices because generally they're going to call you and you're going to be their shoulder to cry on when they paid someone less amount of money for a lesser quality product. And they're going to end up calling you back and Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, this guy came in detail my car. He did a terrible job. I want you to come and do it. And I'm going to go fantastic. When can I get you on the schedule? You know? Yeah. And like for agronomy, it's, you know, it's their whole life generally because farmers in most cases, not this farmer, but, uh, most farmers are family businesses and it's their whole life. Like they don't have anything else. Yeah. And so that's where I come in and I help them see like, there's an issue here and we need to solve it before this really affects your bottom line and not only your bottom line, but the food that goes on your table. But for this particular farmer, that's not the way he's thinking. Um, and that's fine. And he is going to try something different, which is totally fine. But like for detailing, if you have somebody who's really bad at detailing and they, you know, say they charge half of what you charge Logan, and they say, oh, yeah, I can do paint corrections. And then they burn through half the paint on the car. Yeah. Okay. Well, now you got to get your car repainted. So it's going to cost right. you more. And then are you ever going to hire that person again? No, you're going to hire Logan. Right. You know? Well, so. And, yeah. And I like that's so, you know, and, and that's why it's important too. Uh, here's a little more business advice. Not that y'all asked for it, but I'm going to give it like. <laughs> Zach, how easy would it have been for you to burn that bridge with that farmer and cussed him a blue streak and flipped him off, you know, on the way out of the farm and, you know, ripped him a new one. And I can't believe you're not going to renew and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So next it year, would have been really easy next year. Yeah. It would have been so easy, but next year when he doesn't get, the yield on his crops because like i know this year was a bad yield for everybody like regardless of whether you're doing it on your own or whether you had yeah so like yeah he wasn't like it was out of everybody's control right but like yeah okay say he doesn't get as good of a yield next year doing it on his own and realizes oh man this is really eating into my bottom line if you were an asshole to him and told him how incompetent he was and how wrong he was for not renewing his contract, you think he's going to call you back 
mm-hmm. next year when he realizes, hey, I need this guy, no. He's going to call the other guy. No, that he's going to find somebody else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But when you say, hey, I respect your decision, while I think mm-hmm. you're wrong because of blank, blank, and blank, and you show him the numbers, hey, here's how I'm saving you your bottom mm-hmm. line. Here's how I'm helping you get more yield, more profit, food on your table. And he still doesn't do yeah. it. And you say, hey, I respect it. It's fantastic mm-hmm. working with you. Would love the opportunity to be able to work with you again in the future. And you leave it at that. Doesn't matter how much of an egomaniac that guy is. Doesn't matter how much of an asshole that guy is. When he realizes I'm better off with Zach than without him, he's going to call you because mm-hmm. you left on a good note. Yeah. Never burn bridges. Mm-hmm. Never burn bridges. Ever. No. You know, I mean, and it's really easy to there's do. There's some it's opportunities really... where you probably should, but <laughs> I don't think if there's like bridges. an abusive there's situation or like... like boundaries, like boundaries and burning bridges are two yeah. different things, yeah. you know? So yeah, put a roadblock on the bridge or something. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, dude, that, that's yeah. good stuff. I like, I like talking about um, mm-hmm. the business stuff. Like, um, <laughs> I'm not a serial entrepreneur. I'm not a, um, business guru. Um, but I try to surround myself with a lot of really high caliber people that have a pretty good handle on their careers, uh, passive income streams, investing, um, and these are a lot of guys that are as good of investors as they are husbands and they're even better followers of Christ and lead by example in, um, every aspect of their life. And so, um, you know, I'll make a brief point on that. Like, that's why it's so important guys to surround yourself with well-rounded, um, individuals that are, um, multifaceted and widely, um, experienced people. Um, it's good. And not that like, you know, not that every one of your mentors has to be knowledgeable on everything. Like you might have a mentor that you seek advice from for finances and investing. Um, and then you might have another mentor that you consult for marriage advice or um, spiritual mm-hmm. advice, or like you don't have to have a like all in one mentor. Um, while those do exist, I would say that's probably a rare um, occurrence. So it's okay to have multiple mentors for multiple uh, uh, aspects of life, but like. In general, it's very, very good to surround yourself with people that are versed in a lot of things and are, are, are wise in a, in a lot of different areas because then it broadens your horizons and your knowledge um, and, and pushes you to be better and, and to continue to grow. So mm-hmm. good stuff, man. I love it. Yeah. Yep. What else you got? Anything? Yeah, I agree. I think that'll do it. All right, man. Well, it's a good conversation. It's good to good to get back in the swing mm-hmm. of it. We're gonna get that other episode out. Um, so hopefully y'all will be hearing that one before this one. And uh, but yeah, guys, please follow us on Instagram at Young Codgers Podcast. Um, stay up to date with everything we have going on. Um, it helps us grow our presence there too because we really do want to be able to reach 
um, as many people as possible with this stuff because I think it's really good stuff. And and with our current state of affairs, um, more guys need to hear this stuff. So really helps us get the word out there. Mm-hmm. So please follow us on Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, let's keep killing it. Let's keep showing up in our marriages, our jobs, our careers, and uh, keep pushing the envelope. So. All right, y'all. We'll catch you on the next one, Zach. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See you, Logan. See you, man.